So I'm thankful to be here tonight, as I said. And uh, I just want to say uh, my name is Dana Isley. My wife is Cynthia Isley. And, and I went to school and, and grew up with Keith and Sheila. Uh, they knew me. And we're very proud of that. Thank you. <laughs> they knew me uh, when I was uh, growing up in a good Christian family. Uh, they knew me when, uh, when you know, I was uh, in school. And I think they also knew when I wasn't doing the things that I should be doing. Uh, I think I had gotten contact with Keith a few times, and uh, and, and he knew I was uh, I was out in the world. He knew that I was uh, truly uh, doing some things that he wouldn't agree with, that some things that Sheila wouldn't agree with, some things that my parents definitely wouldn't agree with. Um, my parents had people praying for me, uh, and and so, but just want to just say that. Uh, God is faithful. Amen. And, and, and I'm thankful for answered prayer. I'm thankful for the blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and I know that without Him, I can do nothing. Uh, I, I was uh, thinking uh, of uh, Anna as she was playing the piano, and, uh, and uh, she was behind the flowers there where you couldn't see her. And I was thinking, you know, that would, that would be my preference, being at a place where you couldn't see me. Uh, just, just record this. And, uh, but uh, uh, I'm comfortable. God has called me uh, to be a, a counselor, and I'm comfortable in a counseling room. I'm comfortable when, when the Holy Spirit just fills me uh, with His Word, fills me with, uh, with scriptures to bring to people. I'm comfortable. I'm getting more comfortable being in front of churches, uh, but I'm thankful that I'm in, uh, here at a church that, uh, that I'm familiar with most of you. And, and I'm thankful for that. But, but I'm, I'm, uh, Cynthia will tell you, I am more comfortable uh, sitting in a counseling room with a family than I am up in front of a church. But God is faithful. And, and, and I, think of, I think of Jeremiah 32:17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. They knew me when I was in school. They knew me when I was doing some things that I shouldn't be doing later on. They weren't around me a whole lot then because I chose to stay away from Keith and Sheila uh, most of the time then. Uh, The world would have labeled me an alcoholic. The world would have labeled me... Many people would have just said I was a, a drunk, a sot, uh, uh, an addict. But there's nothing too hard for our God. Amen. Nothing that His blood cannot take care of. And, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, this is uh, just uh, October the 13th, uh, just, a little, just, just a month ago, uh, we gave an update at our church. Not too long ago, I don't remember the exact date, but uh, Chrissy and Reed were on vacation, and, and we gave a little bit of an update here. Uh, but just, just to, to talk about a little bit of an update here, just want, to, just want to share a little bit about the ministry. Remember, there is nothing too hard for thee. Uh, and I think of that verse. And I think of Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Most people that come to see Cynthia and myself are looking for some peace in their life. Some of them truly do want 
uh, just discipleship, just want to grow in the Lord, and, I, and that is fantastic. But most of them are already struggling with something when they come to us, and, and they're at a place where they, they're looking for a counselor. I let them know right up front that me and my wife, uh, uh, there's, there's a paper we give them, and it's uh, Keith, Keith would be proud of this because it does say that uh, I'm uh, a doctor of ministry in, in Christian counseling, and, and Keith calls me a doctor, but it's got my picture. But, but truly, the part here is Jesus Christ. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the one in Isaiah 61.1 that said, He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Jesus read from Isaiah 61 uh, in Luke chapter 4, and He said He was the fulfillment of that. Some of you that's been here before have heard me say that before. Uh, I, I say that quite often, but I just want to let people know that, that the uh, counseling ministry of Caraway uh, Baptist Church that we're a member of, uh, that, uh, that we work in areas of alcohol and drug addiction, codependency, or what we, uh, as, as my wife has taken classes, they've changed it now from codependency to relational idolatry. Because, but the world knows it as codependency, but it's truly relational idolatry. Uh, teen discipleship, we work with, uh, with marriage coaching, abuse issues, and other areas of bondage where Christ will be introduced as life. Because we look to the wonderful counselor and we recognize, ah, Lord God, there is nothing too hard for thee. And so we, we look at this and we... Uh, we want to introduce Christ's life to people. We want to bring them to a place. Remember, I grew up in a home. I knew, uh, I knew what it was to grow up in church. But I had a problem that all of us were born with. I had flesh. And in that flesh, I inherited that from my mom and dad. Now, uh, many of you saw my mom and dad uh, just a week or so ago. And you saw my sister and my brother-in-law just a week or so ago. And I'm so thankful for, uh, for your support and prayers for them. And I'm so thankful for your support and prayers for Caraway, uh, mission, uh, our, our ministry, uh, Caraway Counseling uh, Ministry uh, from Caraway Baptist Church. I'm so thankful for that. And, and I think about that and I think about, but if I'd have let my flesh lead me, where would I be? And I inherited that from my mom and dad. They inherited it from their mom and dad. They inherited it from their mom and dad. And now we're getting back into great and great grandparents and all the way back to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, when they chose to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we let people know about that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, that's a tree of knowledge. And knowledge... We think, well, if it's good knowledge, it's not a bad thing. If it's bad knowledge, it's a bad thing. When people would have labeled me an alcoholic or an addict or something like that, they'd have said, hey, that's, that, that's that tree, that's that bad fruit. But that was knowledge of the bad. What about knowledge of the good? What about the man that I heard about when I was in seminary and I showed up at class one night, and they said, uh, Mr. Such and Such got saved. And I said, well, hallelujah. And they said, you don't understand. Some of you may have heard this before. But they said, 
this man's 92 years old. And I said, well, I really praise the Lord that he got saved at 92. And they said, no, you don't understand. If anyone was saved, this man had to be saved. They said, he was always in church. He'd even gone and knocked on doors before. I think he had served in many areas of the church, maybe even a deacon for a while. As far as anyone knew, he had never cheated on his wife. As far as anyone knew, he had never uh, been addicted to drugs or alcohol. He had always loved hanging out in church because his parents raised him in church. He looked the part of being a Christian. And, but he, at 92 years old, even the preacher come and said, Brother, we know, we, well, you might be having some doubts, but we know you have to be saved. And he said, Preacher, I've known many, 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 many years that I've never had a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. I just knew how to look the part. I knew how to act the part. I knew how to play the part. And I was a good actor. But I didn't know Jesus as my Savior. That's that good part of that tree of the knowledge. Most of us can't carry that off like this man did. We can be good sometime in the bad, the bad surfaces. But remember, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is no hope from the good side of the tree. Just, just, want, to, just want to let you know that. So we, we talk about these things and we, we share this with people. And, and, and as we do that, uh, we, we, talk about, we talk about the, uh, the areas that we work in with people. And, and in those areas, we, work, we, work, uh, we, we introduce the flesh with people. We talk about the, th- uh, the three core lies that are in all of us from the time we were born because of that tree of the knowledge, uh, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the lie about ourselves, the lie about others, and the lie about God. Say, so, well, what could that possibly be? Well, when I had turned to get help for my addictions and my sin, and I was actually learning how to be a counselor, how to be a Christian counselor, they introduced me to the three core lies. And I didn't realize it, but that lie about God kept me away from God for many years. I knew that he loved y'all. I knew that he loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave. I knew that. But I believe since I was raised in a church, not too far from here, I believed that because I had crossed the line, that God would not forgive me until I cleaned myself up. Flesh can't clean flesh. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can can clean flesh. And so I learned I had to die to my flesh. But it was programmed in my flesh for independence. It was programmed in my flesh to succeed. It was programmed in my flesh to try, try, try 
but I recognized, wait a minute, I had to surrender that. I had to die to the flesh. I had to depend solely on my Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we try to introduce to people. If they're trying, they're very likely they're struggling. I tell people, and I tell my wife, Cynthia, she hadn't, she hadn't been too long ago heard this. I said, well, I know I'm, doing some, I'm trying to do something in my flesh because I'm struggling. If it's Jesus doing it through me, I'm not struggling. If it's me doing it for Jesus in the strength of my flesh, I can be struggling. That's a good sign. If I'm struggling, it's me. That don't mean I won't, that I won't have trials and tribulations when Jesus is living through me. But if I'm struggling to get out of it, I'm trying to do it on my own rather than letting Jesus do it through me. So we try to teach, and, and through Scripture, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. When Jesus is doing it through me, I'm not struggling. So we, we work through lots of areas uh, in, in places like that, and, and we, we try to teach this. And as we're trying to teach this, we also go to a place in, I'm just going to give you a list of some things that we work on. Uh, we talk about people's concept that we let them know their concept of God. Uh, part, of, part of the message we heard this morning was, was truly recognizing uh, that God already knows what we feel, so we many times come to church and try to camouflage ourselves and try to convince everybody uh, we're great. And then we recognize we're struggling. Then we recognize, oh, I can't tell God this. What do we mean we can't tell God this? God already knows. When in, the, in, the, uh, in the Garden of Eden, when God says, where are you, Adam? And I know it's paraphrasing, but when he says, where are you, Adam? He knew where Adam was at. He wanted Adam to know where he was at. God wanted me to know where I was at. So want to know my concept of God on a bad day. We all have the right answers if we've been in church any time, but what do I feel? When I started working on having people to help me with my addiction, I had to break denial. I had to recognize, I had to quit denying that I had a problem. I had to admit that I had a problem. I had to admit that I had to let my feelings start showing because I'd been trying to hide my feelings for years with drugs, alcohol, and all sorts of sin to, to make me feel better or to just numb my feeling out. So I had to recognize that. I had to uh, start uh, fessing up on those three core lies. I had to admit that what, my, what, my, what I'd been denying for all these years and covering up. Uh, and so we looked at those three lies. We looked at the flesh. We take people through uh, life and cross diagrams where we look what it looks like to uh, when we're depending on our flesh and we're still struggling and the only answer is to truly surrender, surrender, surrender. So daily I surrender and I follow him. And I ask him to remind me when I'm taking it back up on my own in my flesh. And, and I recognize because of the cross, because of Jesus' shed blood, uh, I, he gave me his eternal life. I can depend on his eternal life. And so we, 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 uh, we get to the place then to where no longer am I uh, 
Keith and Sheila's friend, that describes me, yes. No longer am I uh, Dana Isley. That, that tells you who my parents named me. But now I'm a child of the king. My true identity is a child of the king because there's only, there's only two choices. I'm either a child of the king or I'm, uh, I'm of my father, the devil. And when I ask Jesus to be my Savior and I have that personal relationship, my family changes. And so we introduce Christ as life. We, and many Christians may have that relationship with Jesus. And I'm so thankful that Jesus says that the work that he's begun in us, he's going to finish it. I know that's paraphrasing it, but, but he's going to finish it. And so he allows things in our life to bring us to places to where we have no choice but just to turn to Him. Amen. So we, we talk about this. We talk about brokenness, spiritual brokenness. We talk about forgiveness and judgments and blessings. I'm going to speak a little bit on judgments and blessings tonight. We talk about uh, victory uh, scriptures. We talk about uh, being aware of your feelings, uh, not denying your feelings, but not letting your feelings dictate your truth, letting your feelings direct you to His truth, right. where we talk about fact, faith, and feelings. Setting the mind in Jesus, we talk about law and grace. How that because of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have a tendency to put ourselves under law. And if I'm trying to keep those Ten Commandments in the strength of my flesh, I'm failing. But if I'm following, that's grace is, is what does that. And... and and we learn about in that relational idolatry or codependency, we look at boundaries, godly boundaries, not boundaries that I set, but boundaries that God shows me how to set and why the boundaries are needed and how to communicate and listen and, and how to do this. And, and the boundaries that he shows me to set is good for me and good for the other person that I'm praying for and loving. Now, as you heard me say that, what about, what about the other? That one handout that we take people through is judgments and blessings. And judgments and blessings, we might say, what is a judgment and a blessing? I'm going to tell on myself again. We were at a, I was at a prayer breakfast. My wife was, a, we had a men's prayer breakfast before, this was pre-COVID. Uh, Pre-COVID, we had a prayer breakfast every month at our church. Uh, one Saturday morning, the men of the church would gather together and have a very, very good breakfast that was prepared there by the men. Uh, and we, we had a great breakfast, and then we shared. Uh, sometimes it would be as little as five or six men. Sometimes it would be as many as 20-some men of our church. And we would share our prayer requests. And we would pray for each other. And... And so this one Saturday, I'm down there, and I've just gone over. I'm already in discipleship counseling. I'm already counseling with people. And this one day, I'm going over about, uh, uh, about praying for my son-in-law. And so we pray for my son-in-law. He, uh, he was, he was uh, truly doing uh, out in the world, not to the extent that I was out in the world at one time, but he was out in the world, and, he, and it was causing some heartache for him, for, uh, for our daughter, and, and, so we're pray and for our grandchildren. And so we were praying for him this day and praying for some other men. 
and, and their families. And I come home and I walk in the door and Cynthia meets me at the door and says, we just got a call from Stephanie, our daughter, and says, our son-in-law has done this again. And I said, that boy will never change. What had I just done? I just placed a judgment on my son-in-law. I had prayed for him. I had asked a group of men to pray for him. And then out loud, I told God I didn't believe he was going to answer my prayer. And out loud, I told the devil I didn't believe he was going to answer, that God was going to answer my prayer. You say, wait a minute. How did that work? Well, out loud, I was praying that God change our son-in-law. Remember, our oh, Lord God, there's nothing too hard for you. You've made the world. There's nothing too hard. You can change our son-in-law. But then I say, then I say, that boy will never change. Now, if I would have went to him and I spoke to him, as it talks about in Ephesians 4.15, if I'd have spoke to him in love with the purpose of building him up and told him he was wrong in doing what he was doing, that was a heart motive to help build him up. But if I'm saying it out loud and I'm not doing it with a heart motive to build him up, I'm doing it either to tear him down or just speaking it forth, I would have been better off to stay silent. And if I had a thought it, I'd have been, it would have been good for me to say, Lord, take that judgment off of my son-in-law. Because I have this, I have this uh, verse here in, in Proverbs. And so let's go to Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, Preacher Jimmy, most of you know that I, I don't teach. Name it, claim it, religion. But our words have power because God says they do. And as I look at that, I want to recognize that when I said something like that, that I was bringing death into my son-in-law, my daughter's life, our relationship and everything. Because it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that eat it, shall, uh, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So if you would, bow your heads with me now and let me pray. Father, I pray your blessing on, on the reading of your holy word. I pray, Lord, that you just give me what you would have me to say, Lord. I pray that uh, you would just speak through me, Lord, because uh, my words without you amount to nothing, Lord, but your words are eternal life. And so we look to your words, Lord. And I just pray your blessing on the reading of your holy word and on the words that are spoken. I pray that it touch hearts as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as I look at death and life or in the power of the tongue, one of the handouts that we give to people is 
handout number 14. It comes right after forgiveness because uh, forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, leads to recognizing about judgments and blessings. What are we called to do as Christians? We're called to forgive for no other reason than God has forgiven me when I didn't deserve it. I did nothing to deserve it, but Jesus, uh, He died for me. He was buried. He rose again so that He could be my Savior. I did not deserve that, and so now He tells me to be willing to forgive for no other reason than he, gave, he died for me and gave me forgiveness. Now, we teach people the difference between being willing to forgive and granting forgiveness. God was willing to forgive me even before he created the world. He was willing to send his son to the cross and had already planned it even before he created the world because he knew what we were going to do. And so he was willing to forgive me then. But he did not grant me forgiveness until I said, Lord, save me a sinner. He wants us to be willing to forgive others. So that when they do come to us and say, will you forgive me? Then we can say, I will forgive you. And he teaches us how to do that. Remember, when he forgives us, I think there's a song, uh, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Truly, when you look at the Hebrew word for it, uh, it, God doesn't lose his mind. He doesn't have amnesia. He just chooses not to think on it again. He chooses not to dwell on it again, and he chooses not to bring it to my attention again. And so if it's brought to my attention again, it's either someone else, uh, the devil, or my own self. And so some of you may have heard this part of my story before. For many years, I tried to drown my unforgiveness of myself with alcohol and drugs. I tried to do that because I couldn't forgive myself for something uh, that really I had no control over at 15 years old, but I listened to the devil and tried to think I should have had control over it. And I had to be willing to forgive myself for that. And, and, and he, he said, if you're not willing to forgive yourself, this, this wise counselor, some of you have heard this before, but this wise counselor uh, said, do you think God's forgiven you? And I said, of course. Scripture says he has. I know he has. And, and, and I said, then my next words was, but I can't forgive myself. And this wise counselor <laughs> looked at me. Uh, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit through him because that's the only time I do anything wise in counseling is when the Holy Spirit does it through me. <laughs> I really believe the Holy Spirit through him said, do you think you're better than God? And I looked at him strange and I said, what are you talking about? Of course I don't. And he says, well, then why are you trying to do something that only the blood of Christ can do? Why are you doing something to make up for something that he has already paid for? And if I won't forgive myself, I'm saying, Jesus, I know your blood is enough, but I need to do a little bit more. So I'm truly saying, Jesus, your blood's not quite enough if I'm not willing to forgive myself. 
And so as I was learning this and as I was able to start teaching this, we looked at judgments and blessings and we saw that our words have power. And 1 Peter 3, 9 tells us, uh, verse 8 says, Finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. In other words, don't be evil to someone else just because they're being evil to you. Well, isn't that the first thing my flesh wants to do? Uh, nor railing for railing. If someone, if someone uses abusive language to me, isn't the first thing my flesh wants to do is defend myself and maybe even use abusive language back to them? But it says, be courteous. Be of all one mind, having compassion one of another, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. Knowing, this is the part that gets me. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many are Christians in here? If you know Jesus personally as your Savior, knowing that you are thereunto called. As a Christian, we're called to do this. Many times I've heard people say, and I've said it myself, I don't really know. Later on, now I do. But at one time I said, I don't really know what God's calling is on my life. Well, this is one of them. It's, it's in the living word. But in my flesh, that's not easy to do. My flesh would get in the way. But says, knowing that you're there and called, that you should inherit a blessing. Don't we all want to be blessed? But do we want to let Christ do through us what it takes to be blessed? Or do we want to do it on our own? So we talk about judgments and blessings. And you heard me talk about our son-in-law. So, so here I am uh, saying that boy will never change. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me because I had just... Went over this handout with somebody on the Thursday of that week, I think it was, and this was Saturday. The Holy Spirit said, Dana, what did you just do? And I looked at Cynthia and I said, I've got to confess that I just sinned. She said, what are you talking about? I said, I just said our son-in-law would never change. And then Cynthia sort of looked at me. She says, well, it don't seem like he will, will he? I said, well, now maybe both of us have to confess it. <laughs> she says, what are you talking about? I reminded her of this, and she says, that's what we've just done. And so right there, her and I, we, we prayed to take that judgment off of our son-in-law, and we prayed a blessing on him. And it was something like this. In the name of the Jesus Christ, my risen Lord, I take the judgment off of my son-in-law's life, and I break that off my son-in-law and my daughter's life, that... Uh, that he would never change. I pray that you take that judgment off of him. And in the name of you, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to bless my son-in-law and my daughter with great favor and that they walk with you. And I pray, Lord, that you remind me when I'm placing judgments on people in my everyday talk. Because here's a list of some things that we may say. Now remember, nothing wrong with going to someone and speaking the truth to them in love if you're helping to build them up. But if I'm just making a blanket statement and it's tearing someone down, 
very likely I'm placing a judgment on somebody. And I don't want to do that. I want to pray a blessing on them. But one, uh, I'm just going to read this. Uh, that person is a very critical person. Number two, they're not interested in getting help. Number three, uh, they don't love me. Number four, he or she is not willing or may never change. I was guilty of number four. That boy will never change. Number five, they're an angry person. Now remember, if I'm going to a, a person that, that's truly struggling with anger and I'm speaking to him in love and I'm trying to help build him up, it's a good thing. But if I'm going and I'm just saying he's an angry person but I'm praying, you know, I don't want to just place that judgment on him. I want to do it with the purpose of, of truly having him to change. Uh, they're not interested in forgiveness. They're not willing to communicate to me. Uh, they're, they're not a good communicator. I cannot live with this person anymore. They're just unwilling to try. Their job is more important than I am. What if I'm praying about their job? What if I'm praying about the person? And then I make that statement. Have I just told the devil that I don't believe God's going to answer my prayer? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you these things. This is still... Handout number 14 here is still one of the things that in my everyday language, God still has to remind me. God still has to chasten me. God still has to convict me. I'm pretty willing to forgive most of the time now because he reminds me that I didn't deserve it and others uh, don't have to deserve it. I just need to be willing to share what he shared with me. But in my everyday language, sometimes I find myself doing these things and God has to remind me. And I have to confess it. And I have to then take that judgment off of that person and pray a blessing on them. Uh, and they never make time for me. They're, the they're not the person I thought I married. The person I thought I married disappeared within the first few months of, uh, that we were married. Many things we do and don't even think about sometimes. Ask the Lord to reveal any judgments that needs to be broken off of a person's life. Uh, and then take that judgment off that person's life. And in the name of Jesus, ask Him to break that judgment. And in the name of Jesus, pray a blessing on this person. Here's some examples. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to, to bless... I ask you, Lord, to, to bless Reedsville Free Will Baptist Church with protection and great favor. Uh, I ask you, Lord, to bless the members of Reedsville Free Will Baptist Church with the revelation of how much you love them. I ask you, Lord, to bless uh, Brother Jimmy with great wisdom and, under, and understanding in every area of his life. And we ask him, Lord, to bring healing uh, to his knee. I ask you, Lord, to breathe your breath of life into this church's relationship with each other. I ask you, Lord, to use Brother Jimmy's life to do great damage to Satan and his kingdom. Pray for your pastor. Pastors need prayer. Pray for the man of God. And this is some things, this is just part of some of the things that we look at here. Remember that we're called to this. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Do the opposite from what your flesh wants to do. Let the Holy Spirit lead you.